Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 713th day together in the Word of God, and we are in Psalm 105 as we approach the two-thirds way, uh, midpoint, two-third mark, what do you call it? Anyway, of our time together, we're at the 105th Psalm, which is more than two-thirds of the way through the Psalms, but we do have Psalm 119 coming up, and so uh, we will see. Mm, got a nice good cup of coffee this morning, and uh, let's pray and ask the Lord's help. We dig into Psalm 105. Father in heaven, thank you for your faithful love, unfailingly strong, good, just, holy, righteous. You are all of these things and more. You're the one we can trust. You're the one we need. You're the one who never fails us. Be with us, Father, we pray. Teach us from Psalm 105. Show us your ways and help us to walk in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan, as your portion for an inheritance, when they were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. When he summoned a famine on the land, and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent out and released him. The ruler of the peoples set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark, they did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers 
of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He gave them hail for rain and fiery lightning bolts through their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke, and the locusts came, young locusts without number, which devoured all the vegetation in the land and ate up the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the first fruits of all their strength. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold, and there was none among his tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed. The dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought quail and gave them bread from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river, for he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. So he brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with singing, and he gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord indeed. Psalm 104. What a beautiful, powerful psalm and so helpful for us too. I think this is wonderful that it comes right on the heels of the time that we had yesterday in Isaiah 30. So we were challenged yesterday in Isaiah 30. Do not go down to Egypt for help. Don't look to earthly political alliances for aid when you are surrounded, when you are threatened, when you are being hemmed in, when your external situation looks grim. Do not look to Egypt, go to Egypt, and try to get help from these earthly political resources. Well, what should we do then? Well, obviously you know that we should trust the Lord. But that can seem a little bit abstract, a little bit unrealistic, a little bit scary. Uh, you know, we're under threat. We're losing our rights. We're losing our voice. We're losing our, our place of prestige and, and respect. We are being marginalized. We are being silenced. In some parts of the world, God's people are being killed. Trust in the Lord. What does that even look like? Well, and so here in Psalm 105, we get an answer to that question of what trust in the Lord looks like. And what it looks like is we are to give thanks to God and to call upon his name and to make known his deeds among the peoples, no matter what we are facing or going through, knowing that God is ultimately the one who is sovereign over all things in the world. God is the king. So, no matter what we're facing, we can do these three things. We can give thanks to the Lord. We can call upon his name. And we can make known his deeds among the peoples. As we're doing this, we can sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, and rejoice. Rejoice as our hearts seek the Lord. This is what we're called to do. This is very realistic and very practical. 
The opposite of this, think about what the opposite of this would be. We could grumble and complain. We could call upon some earthly power or resource to help us. We could be ashamed of the Lord and his deeds because we don't want our testimony to get us into trouble. We could be gloomy and depressed, refusing to sing praises with joy. We could tell of all the horrible things happening and all the terrible things that we're facing rather than telling of all his wondrous works. These are the two options before us when, when we're in difficult situations. And so to help us, to help us to seek the Lord and his strength, to seek his presence continually, to help us to remember the wondrous works that he has done, we are given some history. And we're reminded that there were times in the history of God's people when things were very, very bad. But God was always faithful. Even though they externally seemed like God's people were very small, very weak, very oppressed, very much in danger, God was still actively working to save, to preserve, to provide, to bless his people. So, this is the history we're given. The history is introduced by a statement regarding God. This statement in verses 7 and 8 is really the reason why, no matter what our circumstances are, we can give thanks, we can seek the Lord, we can call upon his name, we can tell of all his wondrous deeds, we can sing praises to him, because this is who he is. He is Yahweh our God. He is the Lord our God. He is the great I Am, unchangeable, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. So here's a couple of things from these verses that we get. We get the unchanging character of God. Yahweh, or the great I Am, the Lord, it's all, the all caps Lord there. It's the name of God. And it's a name that speaks of God's eternally unchanging self-sufficiency. God is who he is. He doesn't rely on anyone to make him who he is. He's not looking for anyone else to provide him for something that he lacks. And he's eternally unchanging in his self-sufficiency. That's the one who is our God, our mighty one, our strength and power. And his judgments are in all the earth. That means he's the sovereign one, not just over his people, but over all the earth. And what has he done? He's made covenant promises to us. I will never leave you or forsake you. For those who, who, who belong to the Lord, all things work together for good. For those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. He will be our God. We will be his people. These are his covenant promises. And how long does he remember those covenant promises? Forever. Ever have somebody make a promise to you and then you go back to them and you want to call them out on that promise? And they're like, I don't remember saying that. I don't remember making that promise to you. God remembers his covenant forever, for a thousand generations, for all time. He made a covenant with Abraham and Isaac. This is now some almost 4,000 years ago, almost 2000 BC that he makes the promise to Abraham, but he's not forgotten it and he never will forget it. And we have evidence. We have evidence. First of all, when did God make this promise? He made this promise to Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob 
when they were just a few people and they didn't own anything except for a burial place. They didn't own hardly anything and they were wandering from nation to nation. But even when they were just a few people and just wandering from nation to nation and didn't own anything, God rebuked kings on their accounts and said, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. So the, the king in Egypt, the Pharaoh, right? The king uh, Abimelech with both Abraham and Isaac, there was this rebuke. Says, don't, don't touch my prophets. Don't touch my anointed ones. And kings listened. Kings paid heed. And then when God was planning to send a famine on the land and to make it very, very severe for seven years, he prepared everything ahead of time for his people, years ahead of time, by sending Joseph down to Egypt as a slave. So even when Joseph was in slavery, even when he had these great dreams of the great things God was going to do through him, and it was going to be years before those dreams were going to come true, and he was going to spend some of those years as a slave and then as a prisoner in a pit, God was still faithful. And Joseph did indeed become the ruler over all of Egypt. But then God multiplied his people, made them stronger even than the Egyptians. And so the Egyptians hated them. God did this. Actually, verse 25 says, He, God, turned their hearts, the hearts of the Egyptians, to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. So God actually turned the hearts of the Egyptians against his own people. Why? Two reasons. One, to get them out of Egypt and into the promised land, which he was now prepared to give them. And two, to show his power as being far, far greater than the gods of Egypt or the rulers of Egypt. And so that's what he did. Through Moses and Aaron, he performs all these great signs and all these plagues so that he would get his people out of Egypt and into the promised land and in so doing would show his power over all the gods of Egypt. And so this is the history that we're given. They're sent out with gold and silver. And then even in the wilderness, God provides for them a cloud, pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And they get quail and they get bread and they get water from the rock. And he brings his people out with joy so that we might follow him, so that we might trust him. All this history is given to us why is it given to us so that we today, you, me, where we live now, would keep his statutes, trust in him, and to go back to the very beginning of the psalm, that we would remember to always give thanks, to always call upon his name, to always make known his deeds among the peoples, to sing to him, to tell of all his wondrous works, to glory in his holy name, and to let our hearts rejoice in him. We don't need anything that the world is promising us with the, with the condition that we walk away from Christ and that we compromise our faith and that we, we soil our testimony by trusting in the gods of the world rather than the God who made the world. We have one who never changes. We have one who never fails. We have one who's been faithful to his people for 4,000 years. He will not stop being faithful because of the next American election cycle or the next court case 
or the next war breaking out in some remote part of the world. These things are not causing God to sit up in heaven and say, oh, I guess I'm not going to be able to keep my covenant promises now. No. He's faithful. He's unfailingly faithful. Let's trust him and let's give thanks to him for that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being faithful and unfailing. Thank you for loving us with a love that is strong and unflinching. You are not scared. You are not worried. You're not anxious. You're not wondering what's coming next in the world and how you're going to deal with it. You are sovereign over all things. Your judgments are in all the earth. You do according to all your will in heaven and on earth. Glory be to your name. We praise you. Help us to praise you, to thank you, to trust you, to follow you, to do what you call us to do, and not to waste our time doing what the world keeps telling us we should be doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that is Psalm 105. Hope it was a blessing to you. Love the Psalms. Always a good perspective check when we go to the Psalms. Back to Isaiah tomorrow. Have a blessed day in the Lord.